edition for the Wise Up Podcast. This is your host, Azra Siddiqui. As a reminder, Wise Up is my platform to educate the Muslim and South Asian community about local Texas and national politics. You can find my podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and TuneIn, or hear them every Tuesday at 2 p.m. on Radio Azad. You can also follow me on social media, such as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and you can check out my website, www.wiseuptx.com. Remember, everyone, let's become educated, let's get wiser, and let's start giving a hoot. So in today's podcast, I'll be discussing my experience from the Texas Tribune Festival. I have recordings and interviews with Wendy Davis. If you all remember, she had been running for governor against uh, Governor Greg Abbott about two years ago. I also have interviews with the mayors of Dallas and Houston, uh, Mayor Rawlings from Dallas and Mayor Turner from Houston. And finally, I also have an interview with uh, Representative Joaquin Castro from San Antonio. So as you all can tell, these three cities, San Antonio, Dallas, and Houston, um, have a pretty large South Asian population. And so I really wanted to reach out to them and talk to them about why they felt that the South Asian Muslim communities should become more involved in politics and local politics, the impact that we can make. Uh, furthermore, I spoke with Wendy Davis at length about why she thinks our community should support Hillary Clinton in this upcoming election, which is only a couple of days away. And last but not least, I want to reiterate that the deadline to register to vote is October 11th in Texas. You can go to votetexas.gov. There are also libraries in um, your local areas where you can also register to vote. So I really, really hope you all are trying to register to vote for this election. Um, so before we start with the interviews, I want to first discuss the news of the week. So in the presidential campaign news, we've had a report that came out from the New York Times stating that Donald Trump has basically evaded from paying taxes for the past 18 years which is quite a crazy sum of money, if you think about it. From the New York Times, they're stating that he had put a $916 million loss, and that is um, how he evaded to pay taxes. Now, I do want to clarify something, that sometimes a lot of people put this emphasis that, oh, well, they didn't pay taxes, and that it comes off as illegal, and that's not always necessarily the case. A lot of times there are exemptions that are applicable, and that's why they don't pay taxes. So it's not always the case that you blame the candidate or anybody, for that matter, for not paying taxes. It's also the way that the tax code is written. So that's something to consider before um, you jump to the worst conclusion. And I'm not talking about just Donald Trump. I think this is an applicable statement to all politicians and um wealthy business people as well. Moving on, just um, yesterday, the state of New York has told the, um, Donald Trump that he is not going to be able to solicit donations um, for his charity. Um, they had served the Trump Foundation with a cease and desist letter on Friday, and what they're stating is... Um, that they were soliciting donations of more than $25,000 a year without having registered for the proper 
certification pursuant to Article 7A under New York law. And so because of this, the Trump Foundation hasn't undergone the external audits or been subject to the kind of oversight that's required by the state of charity seeking donations from members of the public. I um, got this information from The Guardian. So let's see what happens with that situation and how Donald Trump intends to move forward. I also wanted to add that the Washington Post has done an incredible job in doing in-depth research on how the Trump Foundation has been working and how there seems to be some fraudulent activity going on with the foundation. But I encourage you all to read that article as well because I think that'll shed some new light on how he's been working on his charitable foundations. You can find it on Um, you know, my Facebook page, on Twitter, and also on my website. So please go and read that article. Moving on to Hillary Clinton, um, there hasn't been much news except for her, you know, really attacking Donald Trump, especially with his statements with the Twitter rant um, of the lady that she had mentioned in the presidential debate. She has been doing a little bit better after her debate performance. I think people really liked her. She is still struggling with the millennial generation. They're still not really um, coming over to her side. She held a rally with Bernie Sanders earlier this week, and he is really trying to rally his supporters over to her. It seemed that after that rally, some of the supporters seemed a little um, swayed and that they were willing to vote for Hillary, but they may not seem very enthusiastic about voting for her. Moving on to Texas news, our governor, Governor Abbott, has withdrawn Texas from the federal refugee settlement program because he states that this is for the safety of Texans and that the federal government can't um, give a guarantee that the refugees that are settling in Texas uh, would cause any harm. So... Just to clarify something, this doesn't mean that any refugees um, are unable to settle in Texas. They would still be able to settle in Texas, but the federal funds would be given to nonprofit organizations rather than going through the state. I'm not sure what the long-term implications of that could be, but um, Texas is the first one to do this. I'm sure you can expect some other states to follow suit. Um, There were people that were very embarrassed by this news, um, and so they've been actually trying to get several other volunteers to try and help with this um, refugee resettlement. So if you're um, interested in volunteering or helping out, I urge you all to, you can look it up online. There are several uh, groups that are willing to um, take volunteers in order to facilitate this process. And moving on to our state legislature, um, as you all know, session is gearing up. It begins in January of 2017. I just want to put out a reminder that there are some really, really amazing candidates that would be serving in your local legislatures, in the Texas legislature, that are really willing to listen to the South Asian and Muslim communities. So you may not like who's running for president, but please think about those who are running in the local legislature because those are the ones that make your day-to-day impact in your life. So the current legislature has held meetings, um, committee hearings, and they've been discussing on how they want to deal with the the Texas um, education. 
Perhaps you all don't know this, but Texas is consistently ranked in the bottom or close to the bottom when it comes to national education. And there has been a lot of controversy with how Texas schools, the public schools, are financed. So if this is something of importance to you, I sincerely urge you all to reach out to your local legislator and maybe the ones that are running against them to figure out what their education plan is or how they intend to vote um, on public education when it comes up for a legislative session. Although from the committee hearings, it seems that they haven't really come to a good conclusion on how they want to fix the school finance situation. So again, this is why it's so important for you to reach out to your local representatives and understand how and what they intend to do to try and fix the situation. All right, so that's the news of the week. And I want to turn over and discuss my experience from the Texas Tribune Festival. Alright, so you all must be wondering, what is this Texas Tribune Festival? So let me give you a little bit of background. So the Texas Tribune is a newspaper um, that starts started in Austin, Texas, and they primarily focus on Texas politics and policies. I highly suggest you all to follow them on social media. You will get the latest news from them with regards to what's going on in the Texas legislature and, of course, the national news as well. So the Texas Tribune Festival is um, hosted by the Texas Tribune, and it's on UT Austin's campus, and they invite policy leaders from all over the world. So they're politicians, they work in policy, they're journalists, um, a variety of different types of people, and they hold these different types of panels, and they're on a variety of different topics, such as healthcare, immigration form, uh, race and law enforcement, foreign affairs, national security, um, women's rights, just a whole bunch of different um, tracks. And so you pretty much spend your whole weekend just attending these tracks and learning more and hearing um, a lot of ideas. So the first person I saw or went to hear speak was John Kasich. And he, as you all may remember, he's the governor of Ohio, and he also ran for president, and he seemed to be the most level-headed out of um, a lot of the other um, candidates that were running. So I just wanted to highlight a couple of things that um, Governor Kasich said in his um, panel discussion. I found it very interesting and important that he highlighted that we are Americans first before we were Republicans and Democrats, and I'm so glad he made that point because I do feel like politics in America has become exceptionally polarized, and he also emphasized this point that we need to start, you know, opening up our minds and listening to what the other side has to say and stop being so closed-minded. So I found that to be very, very important topics, especially given how polarized our country has become. I also wanted to discuss that he is talking about writing a book, which will be published soon. So I think we can all make this um, assumption that he does intend to run again for president in 2020. Um, some of the other things he highlighted, which I think you all would find interesting, is, um, you know, as a Republican governor, he was one of the first to expand Medicaid um, under, you know, the Affordable Care Act, and 
Many Republican governors, including our own, Governor Abbott, have been unwilling to expand Medicaid because they don't really agree with um, Obamacare and the Affordable Care Act. Now, what did Governor Kasich say? Uh, you know, he doesn't really think that ACA works, um, but he does realize that expanding Medicaid was important for his constituents. And I think this was very noble of him because he put his constituents first in finding out and figuring out what is important for them rather than pandering to a base and making sure that you um, are just pandering to that base so that you can make sure you get your funds or that you get elected. So I think he really um, focused more on his people. And just to give you some statistics, like the uninsured rate in Ohio went from 17% to 6% when he expanded it, whereas Texas currently has the largest uninsured rate at 17% because our governor is unwilling to expand Medicaid. Some other points he made was um, he believes in climate change. And again, many Republican can candidates don't believe in that. In fact, you have Donald Trump believing that climate change is a hoax uh, perpetuated by China. But um, he also believes that you can't completely cut out fossil fuels, and that's extreme. Uh, you may remember that there are many Bernie Sanders supporters that are all for green energy and clean energy, and they want to cut out fossil fuels and fracking. Um, so I also wanted to point out that sometimes when you're thinking of certain policies that you want to have changed, you may not think of the unintended consequences, and that's a politician's job. So I think his viewpoint on this is pretty great because, one, he is admitting that climate change does exist. I mean, it has been scientifically proven. But on top of that, he's also acknowledging the point that you can't cut out fossil fuels. And I think his primary concern with that is that you have so many millions of people that have jobs in the oil and gas industry. If you were to completely cut out fossil fuels, where do those millions of people go? I mean, they'll be completely out of a job. Are you going to easily transfer them over to clean energy types of jobs? It wouldn't be easy, and it would take a lot of money to invest in. And so I think this is a point and a reminder to all of us that while it's easy to sit there and you know, ask for certain legislation and ask for certain things to be a certain way, we also have to think of the consequences and the effects that could occur when you um, implement these types of changes. And I think that's something that Governor Kasich has realized. And I think um, Hillary Clinton is also along the same, same lines. Like she understands the importance of transitioning to green energy, clean energy, but she also realizes you can't just lay off everybody um, that's in the oil and gas industry without facing some huge economic repercussions. He also had some really great points, um, you know, talking about religion and gerrymandering. Um, I would have loved to go into that in more detail, but um, you can also go to the Texas Tribune website and actually listen to his whole panel. Um, I think it was very, very intriguing. One last thing that I wanted to add about his panel was, you know, he talked about the Republican debates, and he discussed how... Um, Many people just wanted to state things just to get media attention without having any policy um, backgrounds or actually having any real plan of action for change. And I think this is a very valid point, and I hope those of you all who are planning to vote in November 
certainly realize um, that point in perspective. Don't let the media define whom you're going to vote for. Make sure you go to their website. Make sure you go and read what their policies are um, before you know, mimicking sound bites or trying to make your decision based off of what the media tells you. You should really, really get out there and really read about them because as Governor Kasich has highlighted, the media just got people or certain candidates popular based off of their sound bites or things that they said and not really focusing on a lot of the policies and plans of actions many of the candidates did have. Finally, he talked about when he was at a town hall meeting in Oregon and someone asked him um, what what would he do as president about the drugstore problem at a baseball game in Oregon that's been occurring. And he straight up said to those people, like, you have to start the change and it won't happen overnight. And I couldn't agree more with this statement and I really, really emphasize it to everyone. Your presidential candidate isn't going to fix all of your problems. Even your local candidate won't be able to fix all of your problems. And that is the point of a democracy, is for you to get involved. And so the first person that has to, you know, want the change has to be the person that begins the change. So if there is something that really, you know, is close to your heart that really bothers you, again, you have to be the one person to begin that change. So that means notifying your local representatives about the situation, organizing your community to try and fix this situation or try and discuss this situation. So again, while the government is there to protect the people, they can't fix everything for you and they're never going to be able to. So, you know, have realistic expectations of your candidates and also realize that you yourself need to get involved. So after that panel, I attended the race and law enforcement panel, and it had representatives um, from the Texas House, um, Senator Royce West um, from Dallas, uh, the police chief from Austin, and two other policy groups that have been working on criminal justice reform in Texas. And as I'm sure you all know, um, following the recent news, that there have been a lot of um, more shootings of African-Americans by um, police force. And so this panel sought to kind of find a middle ground of where we can go from here and what we can do to make things better, basically, with the African-American community and the police. And so you had a lot of different um, angles from this panel. And I think some of the things I wanted to highlight is how the police chief from Austin discussed that, you know, as a chief, you also hold your um, officers accountable and that if they are doing wrong and making mistakes, you know, you don't put them on administrative leave, you fire them right away. And that is the standard that he is holding his, um, the, his officers in line with. So I thought that was a very important point that he made. I think the statistics and the data is there that maybe African Americans aren't necessarily killed um, as much as other races by cops, but they're definitely pulled over more. They're definitely arrested more. Um, they're more likely to be um, pulled over and stopped and frisked than any other minority group. Now, while this topic doesn't necessarily um, directly affect the South Asian community, I do think that this is a topic that is going to be very much uh, discussed in the next two presidential debates. And either way, um, when you, we see a marginalized community being hurt um, by discrimination, it's something that we should be aware about because we should be 
to, we should be trying to help those communities achieve um, racial justice and, and equality in America. And then from there, we went on to a different panel where I listened to both the mayors of Dallas and Houston, um, Mike Rawlings and Mayor Sylvester Turner from Houston. And they had some really great uh, talks. You know, one of the talks was about having that high-speed rail between Houston and Dallas and how convenient that would be. And they did tell everyone in the audience that if this is something that you find to be very important, then this is something to talk to your Texas uh, local representatives about because it will be coming up in Texas legislative session in 2017. And so if the representatives hear that their constituents really want it, uh, they'll be much more inclined to vote for it in a more positive way. Both mayors talked about how, um, you know, there's been a lot of diversity in Texas, and Mayor Turner also discussed how, you know, Houston is now the most diverse city in the nation, but what they really want to focus in on now is um, being inclusive of all of the diversity, and I think that was a very important point to make, that while there is diversity in many parts of the country. Uh, that doesn't mean all of those different minorities are at the table having the discussion, and I completely agree with that with regards to the South Asian Muslim populations as well. So I had the opportunity to uh, discuss just for a couple of minutes with both Mayor Sylvester Turner and Mike Rawlings about diversity in the South Asian community and what we can do to have our voices heard and to be more at the table. So tune in. So Mayor Rawlings, uh, you have a large Muslim and South Asian community in Dallas. Uh, how do you tell them to get involved in uh, local politics and why they should be you know, voting? We heard Sylvester Turner earlier on the panel talk about you know, being inclusive. Yeah. So what are your well, thoughts on that? Well, first of all, we've got an avenue through my office for them. We've had Iftar there. Uh, for the last couple of Ramadans, and, and that right there is an avenue to get to know folks. Uh, and then second, I think uh, through the imams that are around, they need to um, have a better communication with other faith communities and um, uh, uh, city leaders, and we're getting that. They're, they're, okay. we're, we're starting to build that, so I'm very pleased about that. But most important thing you can do as a citizen of the United States is to vote. Right. And you've got to get out and, and vote this fall. You've got to be involved with uh, school elections. You've got to be involved with city life. That's what makes our lives better. And it's a lot more fun. Yeah, if you don't mind if I can ask one more question. Yeah, please. Uh, you're emphasizing voting, and that's something I really emphasize to my listeners, but a lot of them don't feel like they want to vote for either presidential yeah. candidate. But how important are the local elections to them? Like, what is it in the local, you know, governments that's really going to affect their day-to-day -day lives? Would you it's mind all, emphasizing that? It's all about transportation, what happens in your neighborhoods, what happens to the quality of schools. And by the way, rarely do you have a candidate that you love. It's, it's right. about life. We live in the world of hard choices. Uh -huh. You have to make those hard choices, but not making them uh, is, is a bigger mistake because you're not involved. So uh, um, I just ask people to get out there and, and be part of our system. Thank you so Thank much. You. And now we will listen to what Mayor Sylvester Turner from Houston had to say. Here with me is Mayor Sylvester Turner from Houston. 
And I wanted to ask you, you spoke in the panel earlier about yeah. how Houston is the most diverse, but you want it to be more inclusive. Absolutely. How do you feel that the South Asian and Muslim population, and I'm, when I'm saying South Asian, the Hindu and Sikh community as well, how can they be more inclusive into politics, local politics? Well, of course, voting is important. Right. Quite frankly, though, I wouldn't be mayor without support coming from, from the Muslim population and the Asian population. The support for me was pretty strong. And so voting makes a difference. Every vote counts. Right. And, and the people you elect count. Right. And um, we can be diverse, but uh, that's, you know, that's descriptive. The question is, are we going to be inclusive? Right. And it's important for people to be at the table of decision-making. And by voting, participating, supporting the candidates of your choice, that puts you closer to the table of decision-making. Right, and so when you are emphasizing voting and getting uh, more onto the decision-making situation, what are the topics that you think are really important to the city and that correlate with the South Asian community? Like for us, education is huge. Islamophobia has been a big issue as well. Uh, how is that going to, for them to vote in the local elections, how is that going to make that impact to change education, well, to change Islamophobia? Well, let me just say, people matter. And who, who is voting in matters. Who's sitting at the table? Who's the mayor? Who's the state representative? Who's the senator? Who's the president? They all matter. We are policy, we are policy makers. And you want people in office, number one, who look at diversity as an asset, right. not as a liability. You uh -huh. know, who, who, who builds people up, build people up, not tear people down. We don't want people in office that talk about walls and keeping people out or excluding right. people. Right. And so who people vote for, who people support, who people put in office absolutely matters. And it matters more now than at any time before. And so education is important. Communities are building communities. And you can't say that you're diverse and international and you uh -huh. got rhetoric that's going in the opposite direction. Correct. So for me, Houston is an international world-class city where we welcome people. We embrace them. We support them. We don't alienate them or talk about them or engage in Islamophobia or any other type of phobia in the city of Houston. That's not who we are, and um, that's not the sort of city I want to represent. Thank you so much. So as you have heard, they are both emphasizing the importance of voting, and I'm so glad that they did so. Uh, that is one of the best ways that you can become involved in your local community is to get out there and vote. I also want to emphasize what um, Mayor Rawlings stated that, yes, you know, not all politicians, you know, are perfect, right? And sometimes you, ha you come up with a situation of hard choices and making a hard choice is always difficult, but that doesn't mean you run away or shy away from making that difficult choice. So again, I want to also reiterate to everybody that yes, voting is one of the best ways to get involved in the community. Um, it is one of the best ways to have your voice heard. And it is a choice that you yourself get to make. Now that you all have heard from our mayors from the two big cities of Dallas and Houston, I want to move over to what our Senator of Texas, Senator Ted Cruz, had to say. Um, he as you all have heard, has finally endorsed Donald Trump after a very, very bitter primary. Um, it's unknown as to why he really did so. He kept talking about how he felt that people were very terrified of Hillary Clinton and that he's terrified of her and that he believes that Donald Trump will be able to 
um, do the economic policies that him and many Republican candidates would like. Then the panel was open to um, questions, and the first question was by a Pakistani American student. And I actually posted a video on social media if you all have had a chance to listen to it. But, you know, she asked, he is okay with endorsing Donald Trump, who has made very many xenophobic and Islamophobic remarks. You know, what can he tell her to expect from a Donald Trump presidency, uh, given the remarks that he's made? And Cruz's answer wasn't very, um, I guess, very supportive of Donald Trump. He's like, you know, this is a choice that you have to make. It is up to you to decide. And the crowd was not very enthusiastic with this answer. Uh, I would say that Senator Ted Cruz did acknowledge that ISIS has been killing um, Muslims, or majority of Muslims in Muslim countries, but he felt that the refugees should be resettled in Muslim-majority countries. I think from that undertone, you can make the assumption that he wasn't really for the refugees coming and moving to America. Well, now that you've heard what uh, Senator Cruz had to say, let's move on to what Representative um, Joaquin Castro stated. Now, if you don't know about the Castro brothers, uh, they're twin brothers, and they've been pretty popular in Texas Democratic politics. Uh, They're from the Hispanic community, but they don't really speak that much Spanish. Uh, They're very smart. They went to Stanford for undergrad and Harvard for law school. Um, Joaquin Castro is a representative um, from San Antonio, while his twin brother, Julian Castro, is a secretary of um, urban urban and housing development in the President Obama administration. You may have heard that he was being considered to be a vice presidential contender um, with Hillary Clinton, but he was passed over. So I want to focus in on talking to him what we can do to become more um, politically active, and finally, what he's going to do with regards to any sort of Islamophobia um, legislation that could potentially be passed in the U.S. Congress. So let's tune in and hear what he has to say. So what impact uh, would South Asians and Muslims make in the San Antonio area, or just Texas as a whole, with regards to voting in local elections? Well, it's important that that all Americans, uh, including South Asians and Muslims, come out and vote. Uh, We want to make sure that everybody's voice is heard, and Uh particularly in local elections where a few votes can swing the election. Uh, Really? Everybody gets inspired uh, and feels a a real calling to go and vote, whether their issue is education or health care, Medicare, Social Security, national security, whatever it is, I hope that people will find an inspiration to come out in November. Thanks, and uh, if you don't mind me asking, with I know Congress is uh, coming back into session, do you have any plans on there any legislation that might combat Islamophobia? That's one of the biggest fears for the South Asian Muslim community, not even just the Muslims, but the Hindu and Sikhs, because many people are unable to differentiate. They just look at the color of our skin and just automatically assume the worst. Well, it's always something that that I'm monitoring. I know many many folks in Congress are monitoring. Uh, We want to make sure that people aren't targeted because of the color of their skin or their religion uh, or, you know, how they speak English or anything like that. And we've got to be vigilant both in Congress uh, and as Americans to make sure that we root that out. Okay. Thank you so much. Of course. 
Well, it looks like Secretary Castro will be making sure to look out for any Islamophobic legislation. And I urge you all to ask your local representatives that same question. What do they intend to do if they see any Islamophobic legislation come to their table? I I can guarantee you it's going to happen in the Texas legislation. Um, You don't know it could potentially happen in Congress. So these are the types of questions uh, you need to ask those who are running for office to see what they're going to do because these are the people that are going to vote on these types of bills. And on to our last and final interview. It's with Wendy Davis. She has started her own nonprofit organization called Deeds Not Words that has been focusing on women's rights in Texas and nationally. As you all may recall, she had run for governor two years ago. She was a Texas state senator. She became famous after um, filibustering the abortion bill that was on the Senate floor in Texas. So in her panel, she really discussed about how women's health has been pretty much gutted by the Texas legislature, in her opinion, and why we need to vote for Hillary Clinton in this upcoming election, along with making sure that we vote for the Texas legislatures that are going to really make a good impact on women's health. And so this interview is more directed towards the female listeners, those that are mothers that really care about women's health care, and just for everyone to gain the knowledge of how women's health care has been basically going downhill uh, with the previous bills that have been passed in the Texas legislature. So tune in to hear why she thinks we should all vote for Hillary Clinton uh, in November and what we should do with regards to holding our Texas legislators accountable in the topic of women's health. Um, so, Ms. Davis, why do you think uh, South Asians and mus- Muslims should vote for Hillary Clinton? Most of our community is very ambivalent about her. They're quite ambivalent about the election between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. And you have emphasized that you're really for Hillary Clinton, that you think she would do a great job, especially with regards to women. Would you mind going into more detail about that? Sure. Well, just to start from a, a broader picture, when you look at the climate of where we will head as a country, depending on the outcome of this election, we are either going to elect a person who is hostile to our diversity, uh-huh. including our Asian diversity, or someone who embraces it. That will percolate through everything that we do, and it also will be a large part of the culture in which our children are raised and the identity that they absorb about who we are as a country. So should everyone of diverse backgrounds in this country care about the outcome of the election? Yes, because their capacity to be a full functioning, embraced part of our community and our economy is dependent upon the outcome of this election. For women in general, this is a crucial election, and I want to really stress the fact that the appointment of the Supreme Court that this president is going to make is going to have a dramatic impact on our lives for decades to come. Hillary Clinton has said that she wants to put someone on the court who will be favorable to women's reproductive freedoms, who will support our immigrant community and immigrant rights, who will support 
voting rights and try to turn back the assault on voting rights in this country, who will support campaign finance reform uh -huh. so that we don't have the 1% of this country buying elections and making sure that our representatives uh, serve their interests as opposed to the interests of people as a whole. And then in terms of her work as president and what she wants to achieve, the great dream for all of us, whether we are immigrant to this country or born here, is that we have an opportunity to see our children realize their full potential. Hillary Clinton has been working on children's issues her whole life. Right. And she wants very much to make sure that we have access to affordable education, that we do have good public schools, that we have full-day pre-K for every four-year-old mm -hmm. in this country, that we invest in Head Start, and that we look at our children as the treasure that they are, that we see within our own families, and right. that she sees in terms of the very future of this country. As mothers, I know for us that's the most important thing. And oh, yes. we can trust that this person who is a mother, who understands it intimately, is going to be a true fighter for us. We also know that women's health care in Texas has been under attack, as it has been elsewhere in the right. country. And Hillary has really taken this issue on and has said that this is something that she's going to work against. Donald Trump, on the other hand, has said that he will continue the assault on women's health care, proudly so, and that he's going to make sure that we appoint Supreme Court justices who will be a part of that. Yeah, and I'm really glad. I just wanted to kind of go back. You focused in on education, and I think mm -hmm. for the South Asian Muslim community, education is the biggest topic for us. It's why our parents came here. It's They sacrificed everything for us to go to college to attain a better life, and I think that you really honed in on that, that Hillary Clinton is really focused on child education and that Donald Trump isn't. And I hope my listeners will, you know, take that note yes. when they go to the polls. Yeah. Okay. And um, one last question. Um, you have been focusing on women's health care predominantly all throughout while you were senator as you ran for governor and even currently today with Deeds Not Words. If you wouldn't mind giving my listeners a little bit of an overview of why women's health care is so bad in Texas and why we really need to go out and vote for our local representatives that make the largest impact for women's health in Texas. I'm so glad you asked that question because a lot of times we focus on the national election and we forget about how important electing our state representatives, state senators, and other state office holders are. But those state leaders are the ones who are making decisions that have gutted funding for women's health care in this state. And we are not talking about abortion care. We are talking about access to basic health care that women have lost by the hundreds of thousands in our state because Republicans have sought to gain an advantage with their far-right voting base, and they've had little regard or no regard for the fact that they are creating very real harm for women. One of the things that we talked about today was that in Texas, in the last five years, maternal rates have doubled from around 70 wow. to over 140 per year. Uh -huh. And that's because women aren't receiving the kind of care that they ought to receive. It is dramatically disproportionate in our state compared to other states, and it can be tied directly to the actions of state legislators who have supported those policies in this Republican-run government. government. 
Okay, thank you so much. Thank you. Well, now you all have a basic understanding of what the Texas Tribune Festival is about. I highly encourage you all to try and register to attend this festival in Austin next year. It's around the same time, September, October. Um, we also got to hear from four very prominent uh, people who are either involved in politics or in policy. And, you know, they've all been really emphasizing one major thing is that we need to get out and vote. And that is the best way for us to get our voices heard. So I hope you all will take that into account. Remember that the deadline to register to vote is October 11th. Furthermore, I hope you all understood that there are politicians that are listening to us and to our community and that they're aware of us and that they want us to be at the table. They want our voices heard and that the only way that they can include us is if we start participating. So please realize that we're the ones that also need to make the effort so that these people and these politicians will include us at the table, will start taking our opinions into account and understanding what our values are. Finally, I hope you all will take into account what Wendy Davis talked about as to why she feels that Hillary Clinton is a better candidate compared to Donald Trump. I know for many of my listeners, they feel that they're choosing between two evils and that maybe Hillary Clinton is a lesser of two evils. But I want to emphasize that Hillary Clinton has been in politics for a very, very long time and that she has achieved a lot of social justice in her time. And maybe there have been things that have overshadowed those prominent achievements. So I hope you all will take a little bit of time and research into that and also check out both candidates' platforms. You can also check out the other candidates' platforms that are running for president, such as Gary Johnson, Evan McMullen, and Jill Stein as well, so that you have all of the knowledge there to make the best possible choice um, for president. I would like to add and emphasize the fact that while well, you may consider voting for a third-party candidate, them becoming president is most likely not going to happen, and I understand you could do it as a protest vote. And if you're in a state where, you know, it's not a swing state, then maybe that's not going to make a really major impact, but I would like to add that Texas could potentially become a swing state in this election, and so I highly, highly urge you to think twice, and I know that you all think maybe she's the same type of evil as Donald Trump. And maybe in a later podcast, I'd like to negate that notion. But I just want you all to notice and realize that while Donald Trump, if he is elected, Congress could stop a lot of his bad ideas. But I also think a lot of his followers, and not all of them, um, are racist. And I feel that they have, they will think that they can sit there and, you know, continue their xenophobic and Islamophobic uh, comments, their actions, and I feel like it could get a lot worse. So while you may not be necessarily afraid of Trump, I feel like his supporters or some of his supporters would think that they can perpetuate this type of hate and that they can become more violent. So that's why I want you all to think twice uh, when you're trying to decide who to vote for between uh, Donald Trump and Hillary. And lastly, I want to add that tonight is a vice presidential debate between Mike Pence and Tim Kaine. So I hope you all will tune in tonight and listen to what the vice presidents have to say and what their platforms are and how they intend to perpetuate the, you know, the presidential candidates' platforms. So I hope you all enjoyed today's segment. If you have any questions about the interviews or about elections or anything of that sort, please don't hesitate to contact me at wiseuptx at gmail.com. You can also go to my website. It's www.wiseup.com 
tx.com and go to the contact page and submit any questions that you may have. I really, really look forward to hearing from y'all. So remember everyone, let's become educated, let's get wiser, let's start giving a hoot, until next time.